The last time today's guest had a seat in the comfy chairs, we had a conversation about the key elements of understanding and building trauma-informed workplaces. In other words, I was fortunate to learn from Stephanie about how employers can design workplaces that acknowledge trauma in people's lives, create an employee experience to minimize and avoid trauma at work, and train leaders to be change agents in their employees' lives. Stephanie is back today for a conversation about strengths. We're going to have the chance to talk about a specific strengths framework, ways leaders can manage with a strengths mindset, and how this knowledge and approach supports trauma-informed workplaces and overall employee well-being and success. So Stephanie, welcome back, and thank you for making a second visit to the Comfy Chairs. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk about something else I really love to talk about. So I'm always willing to come uh, when invited to talk about something I love. Well, I asked you to introduce yourself last time, but I won't ask you to do that again. I will ask you, is there anything that you want people listening to know about you today? Yeah. So since we are talking about strengths, I'd love to talk a little bit about my experience with Gallup Strengths, Clifton Strengths, Strengths Finder. It's had a few different names over the years. Um, but what fun fact is I actually grew up in Omaha, Nebraska. And Nebraska is the birthplace of Gallup, funny enough. So I actually had a stint of time working at Gallup um, in my 20s before I moved to the Arizona area. And so I've had a lot of really interesting experiences with StrengthsFinder as a tool, both as a user and as a now coach um, and, you know, throughout my HR career as a leader. And I think there is something special about StrengthsFinder as well that makes it kind of stand apart and, and why it's a favorite of mine and, and why I love using it as a tool um, to partner both with individuals and teams. So, so excited to, to chat more about it. I'm, I knew that you had the coaching experience, but I don't think I connected the dots that you worked at Gallup. So I'm extra excited to have a chance to learn with you today. Uh, so excited. Well, predictably, I would like to start with defining strengths um, as a word nerd. Like that's typically where I go is what does the word mean? There's the dictionary definition that talks about possessing great power or resources, and that can be physical, moral, intelligence, wealth, or other. Uh, the word comes from the Latin that I think is pronounced stringere, and it means to bind tight, which implies a close connection between the characteristics and the things to which they are bound. So as we've talked about, you're trained in this specific coaching framework that focuses on strengths. Please dive in a little bit more. We've talked about strength finders. We've named it. What is it? Amazing. So I, I love talking about strengths in within the realm of Clifton strengths or strengths finders. And I always love to talk about strengths with, you know, a quote from Don Clifton, who founded strengths finder and is often credited as the grandfather of positive psychology, um, you know, for his efforts for the work he he did. And his whole kind of catalyst or purpose behind creating strengths finders was the idea of what if instead of focusing on what's wrong with people, we focused on what's right mm -hmm. and see how we can leverage that information and productively apply it. So what's cool about strengths finder is there's all this amazing research, amazing information available. And a lot of it is really accessible um, because of the work Gallup does and, and really the goal to make this accessible for everyone. And I love the specific Gallup definition for strength. And it is a formula. It is talent times investment equals strength. And to kind of break that down further, talent is a natural way of thinking, feeling, behaving. We all have these inherent talents to us that make us unique. That investment is the time spent practicing, developing skills and building your knowledge base. 
And that's how you get to strength, which is the ability to consistently provide near perfect performance in a specific task. So a little bit of a different definition, but really great in terms of understanding when we look at the Strengths Finder as a tool, as a resource, it's about helping identify those natural talents and then thinking about how we can invest in them and productively apply them and avoid unproductively applying them as well. You know, kind of colloquially, when we talk about strengths, I think this definition also works when we talk about Strengths Finder is that strengths are those things that we're good at and that we enjoy doing and kind of get in that state of flow or that flow feeling. And we enjoy the impact we can make um, in those kind of special, special moments, that special use of those natural talents. I like that you talked about the state of flow because one of the things I want to make certain we discuss is, uh, is performance as we're talking about leadership and flow is key, uh, not just to results, but to engagement and satisfaction with your work. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you for that detail. Um, I'd like the rest of our conversation to happen in what I'm thinking of as three acts, that there are um, some subjects around this topic that I think it would be great to cover. Um, the first being the value of strengths, you know, kind of why this and not something else. Uh, then what are the best practices for managing uh, the mindsets that it takes, uh, how to determine people's what they're great at. And then last, I do want to talk about weakness. Um, yeah. As I think there is, there is a place for us to understand, not to focus on, but to understand the what's wrong in you know, Don Clifton's language there. So let's start with, what value does talking about strengths bring to our work lives? Oh, absolutely. Oh, there's so much. Um, so, you know, I'll start specifically from that trauma-informed workplace lens. Mm -hmm. And I think what's amazing about strengths is it really gets to the holistic concept of empowerment in a really beautiful way. Because strengths allow us to recognize what is inherently good about us, mm -hmm. um, where we have, you know, positive aspects that are appreciated by others, really kind of fills that recognition bucket so well. And that also really helps in terms of growth, because, you know, each of us wants to engage in continued growth as a human being, whether that is growth in terms of promotion, or if it's just growth in terms of self-understanding, learning, you know, applying things differently. So we all have this need for growth. And that's really part of that empowerment component of trauma-informed workplaces. It also is our work is connected to what we do well. Mm -hmm. So when you think about strengths being important, if we have a way to understand and verbalize what we do well naturally, and then we can focus on productively applying that, we can do a much better job creating an empowered and engaged work workforce. I also think it's really important to think about the language and kind of energy around strengths. When we look at self-development, when we look at certain tools, oftentimes they are focused on weakness or opportunities mm -hmm. or what you can do better. And, and many times they are very challenging to work through. Um, you know, I always think about a 360. The first yeah. time anyone ever goes through a 360, what they need more than anything <laughs> is probably a warm hug. Like they are really very challenging experiences yeah. and they're not for everyone and not everyone is ready for that type of feedback. And then when we think about potential trauma, someone we may be bringing with them to the workplace, um, you know, you and I had a recent conversation about self-acceptance mm -hmm. and talked about how perfectionism can be a trauma response. Well, when we layer tools that hope to drive self-awareness and, you know, growth, 
on top of traumatic experiences without acknowledging the traumatic experience, you know, not everyone is going to make that connection if they're bringing, you know, some trauma responses with them to the workplace. And when we look at being a trauma-informed culture, they don't have to recognize that for us to be aware that we need to be sensitive to that. But if someone has a perfection trauma response, and then without any kind of support, we have them do a 360, <laughs> or we have them do another type of yeah. assessment, we could really get the wrong results in a variety of ways. From an operational kind of HR standpoint, we might not get the growth and development we're hoping for. We might yeah. get a reaction or another type of trauma response or see someone shut down. It may push someone into, you know, the fight, flight, freeze, fawn responses that are common when people feel triggered or attacked in those ways. Yeah. You know, Stephanie, you use the word empowerment and yeah. you also talked about appreciation and recognition. And I think what we can what we can start to understand is possible when strengths is the lens is that we're demonstrating respect for people. And because when we acknowledge that something is present, the other thing that we can infer is that there's also a gap. So if we're respecting what you're able to do, what you love to do, what you're great at, we can then have compassion for what you may not be as great at. Right. I also think that something that happens a lot uh, in the world, but specifically in the workplace, is we tell people that they're empowered, but then we just toss them off, right? Like they just go into the deep end, free range employees, where when we empower people through identifying, understanding, and relying on strengths, we're giving them the tools to do the work then. 100%. I love that connection. And it's so important because when people say you're empowered, that's nice. But you have to actually take action yeah. for someone to truly be empowered. And there's a lot that goes into it. And it's kind of an ongoing, ever-evolving thing. Um, you know, I I do, you know, StrengthsFinder works for everyone and every team because it focuses on your strengths. What's mm -hmm. good? You know, I oftentimes say there's no such thing as a bad strength. Yeah. So really, it is, to your point, focusing on how can we appreciate this person? What special talents does this person have? And they're very individualized. A lot of the other tools kind of clump people into groups. They do. And I think it kind of takes away a little of the, the magic of who we are as individuals. Strengths is incredibly customized um, and really powerful in that way because you can really connect to who you are. And you can talk about the work you're doing, the work you're doing well, and maybe the work you're not doing so well in a really supportive, comfortable way, in a supportive, comfortable language. Mm -hmm. And I think that makes such a difference because when we're using tools like this, especially in inside teams, inside organizations, the best thing to do is create a common language around these to make these tools, to make these concepts alive so they live as part of the culture. Well, when the language has to be part of your culture, that positive language that focuses on strengths versus weaknesses or opportunities or kind of picking people apart makes a huge difference. I'm kind of going to get on one if that's okay. Yes, I have this. I you, it's like first time coming public with this here on comfy <laughs> chairs. So hopefully it's an honor and not totally like. Well, Stephanie's gone off into a special land. I, I cannot wait. Lay it on me. <laughs> I really think I strongly dislike at this point in my career the concept of potential in the workplace and the way it's used around high potential employees because it is a load of fooey because everyone has potential. And when we assign potential to people, we, we're really just limiting the organization. We're limiting individuals. And I just, I think 
there there's something in the concept around succession planning, which is really mm. what we're talking about internally when we talk about potential. It's it's not about the real human potential that's innate to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's about does this person potentially fill my succession plan? And that's not about individuals. That's about the organization. And so I really think we've gotten to a harmful place in the high potential conversation within organizations because we're ignoring the potential that everyone inherently has. And again, I think StrengthsFinder does an amazing job of really showcasing the potential of everyone. I also have some strong opinions about talent conversations and succession planning. And I think the discomfort that you have with potential, part of that comes from the fact that we talk about it first, as opposed to putting it in a sequence. Because there, there is, you know, potential like what could happen that is not dependent on somebody's intrinsic worth. But if we start talking about person's capability what they could be able to do before we address a few other factors it's a waste of time you start with performance is somebody meeting expectations and in this conversation we can use strengths to understand are they is an employee aligned with what they're great at and the type of work that they're doing because if there's then also clear expectation all the necessary resources and support we should see performance, meeting expectations. That's the first thing. And it's like a, you know, it's a gate decision point. They meet expectations or they don't. If they're not meeting expectations, we're not talking about talent development. We're talking about performance improvement. Right. But they do. Then we need to have a conversation about interest. And that's not me sitting in a room with somebody from HR or OD mm-hmm. saying, well, I think they're interested in becoming the CEO. That's as your leader, as your manager, I'm talking with you regularly about aspirations, um, the time of your life and what you hope to accomplish over what period. So when we're having that discussion, I can go in and say, Stephanie is highly interested not so much in promotion, but expanding her skills in these areas. Yes. Maybe taking on, you know, a new project or a special assignment so we can build her skills. That's the interest that she's expressed, that I've recorded, that I've confirmed, that I believe based on her performance, we can support. Then I can start talking about what does this person have the potential to do? If I think of it as What's the gap that needs to be closed between current ability and future ability? And how long will it take to get from A to B? But you're right. We do, in the current way that those conversations occur, it's this fuzzy thing that's nebulous and that we don't think about trying to measure or put within the boundaries of a time frame. But if we dial all the way back if we're thinking about this is what you're great at you say you want this promotion but it's not going to give you any any exposure to work that it's going to allow you to do what you're great at let's talk about that right yeah I guess what I'm getting to is the the talent conversation doesn't happen when you're doing a map or a succession plan or a replacement plan the talent conversation happens in that one-on-one. So I'm, I think we're naturally bleeding into that second act of how do leaders do this well? Yeah, absolutely. And, and before we jump into how leaders do mm-hmm. this well, I want to make, sh- make something really clear about StrengthsFinder. You know, yes, it can be very helpful in terms of aligning what you can do with your job, but it also shouldn't be a limiter for yes. you. Um, if you really want to do something and your strengths don't naturally lend to that. So for example, I am an entrepreneur. Um, I think we'll talk a little bit about my strengths later, 
my strengths, some of them lend beautifully to entrepreneurship. Some of them lend very poorly and that I do not have any executing strengths in my yeah. top five. Um, like the do things strengths, mm -hmm. which is really <laughs> important to entrepreneurship. The thing is, is I can still get things done. Yes. I may go about it in a different way. And so that's another way to have powerful conversations. And I think that can lead into, you know, how leaders can do this well is have powerful conversations about, hey, you want to do this thing? That's great. How can you approach it with your strengths? Yeah. Because well, you're probably put, not going to approach it like someone else. Well, let's put that into the equation, you know, the definition yeah. there. Yeah. The talent times investment equals strength. What you're talking about is there may not be a natural, you know, leaning toward, in this case, checking things off the list, but you're still putting time into it. So yeah. your nature may not support it, but your investment does so that you can perform the way that's needed by the work you desire to do. And you know, one could say on the, you know, the converse side of that, if I have a natural you know, affinity for one of my strengths from the Strengths Finder framework is learner. That is, I have a high drive to learn new things. I spend time in it because I have a high drive for it, but I don't have to put effort into it. Right. 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 So it's a strength because I naturally love it. The time doesn't feel like it's a cost. Sometimes though, the time is, it's a big expense for us. Yes. Yeah. And, and that is so well said because it's true. And it's, listen, we all have parts of our life and our jobs <laughs> we do not enjoy doing. I wish there was a magic wand to solve that for each of us. <laughs> right. And there are ways to make it better. And, and we'll, you know, talk about some of those, but it, it is, it's, if you can find at least some part of every day where you feel like you're using your strengths and maybe that's only an hour, that's okay. Mm -hmm. That still is really engaging. Um, and that's going to be really meaningful and it'll help you find kind of hone those skills. Most of us do not get to operate in the strength zone 100% yeah. of the time. That's just not realistic. Mm -hmm. But what we can also do is learn and find ways to carve out more time yeah. and that may be approaching things that we have to do in a different way that may leverage our strengths more or one of my favorite ways is with partnerships and what's amazing with partnerships when it comes to strengths there's this great book from Gallup it's called the power of two it's all about strengths-based partnerships and the idea of that two individuals with complementary strengths are greater than one and you can achieve more than one person on their own. It's really amazing. What I love about it is kind of two things. The first is very much Gallup endorsed. And that is if you can partner with someone who has, you know, strengths you don't have, you can, you know, maximize your time in your strength zone. And so can that partner. So for example, you know, if I were ever going to expand into a partnership um, for, for my business, for entrepreneurship, I would look for someone who's really heavy in executing strengths mm -hmm. because I know that that is something that I, I, is a challenge for me. Um, and it even shows up in our personal relationships. Uh, we'll talk about it maybe a little later, but one of my very, very bottom strengths is a strength called harmony. And that is finding, <laughs> I know, right? And it is finding, you know, common ground and understanding mm -hmm. and avoiding conflict. Apparently, I love conflict, uh, productive conflict, you know, <laughs> um, you know, my husband is amazing at navigating or avoiding conflict in the right way. And really finding that common ground and seeing kind of that place that mm -hmm. works for everyone. So he is, you know, harmony and naturally we're, you know, drawn to each other. So when there are moments when someone needs to, you know, speak up and, you know, say something uncomfortable, 
I oftentimes am doing that. And when we need to take a step back and find that common ground, he will do that as well. So those powerful partnerships are just an amazing way throughout all you know, points of our life to really find that opportunity to maximize our strengths by partnering with others who are, by the way, oftentimes very different than us. So this is not so Gallup um, endorsed, but this is my specific take on another amazing strength of StrengthsFinder is it can actually also be really helpful to understand like why someone is driving you bonkers. So (laughs) that's that common language, right? Exactly. So I had a leader I worked with and I have activator in my top five. I like to jump to action. I like to go and he had deliberative. So he likes to iterate as many times as possible on something to try and get it as close to perfect as possible. Very easily, you could see how we would drive each other bonkers because I go sometimes probably too fast. And mm-hmm. then he he takes too long to the point that it's like, okay, this has lost some of its value because it isn't timely. And instead of focusing on our behaviors being wildly different, what we could do instead is then balance each other out. And sometimes it is, it's that just split second you just need in your head to go, why is this person driving me bananas right mm-hmm. now? And it's like, oh, because they're approaching this from a different perspective. How can I shift this from conflict to an opportunity to have something greater with these different perspectives? Well, if you think about a leader trying to be somebody that manages strengths, Mm -hmm. one of the things tools like this will provide them is the information they need to be very intentional to orchestrate the composition of their teams, right? You know, so we do work that requires that we're able to, you know, make a plan and execute on it. Well, then I need people that do one and or the other. I can't hire 10 people that only make plans. I have to have executors as well or those activators. And it gives you then a sense too of where can I make the partnerships to compensate for gaps to make you know the puzzle pieces fit together but it's gonna point to where I might also encounter conflict so I can manage that and as a leader then I think you have that responsibility to remind people yeah this is why you're driving each other bonkers probably not with that language but to highlight you know okay activator deliberator you're both bringing a strength to the table and when everything's going really well, it fits together perfectly. What circumstances are making it so it doesn't do that right now? And what do you need from me as your manager to get you to a place where it's working again? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's there's this concept I like to talk about when I'm, you know, working with a team or coaching and strengths. And it's this idea of a balcony and a basement. Okay. And so your talents obviously can be productively applied and become strengths. Your talents, your natural tendencies aren't always productively applied though. So those are the basement. That's in you're in the basement of your strength. And I know I brought up activator. So that basement of activator is I'm impatient. I rush to get things done that aren't really ready or complete. The balcony is, you know, I am able to be a catalyst to move things forward, to make sure they're timely and relevant and like get things started. Sometimes those differing perspectives and strengths can really push us to leverage that natural talent as a true strength in that balcony and avoid the basement and watch out for those kind of, you know, sharp edges on the other side of the talent that come up. Um, So it's really helpful to understand that um, and talk through that as a leader and also as you're reflecting on your own strengths, it can be really helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, one of the, one of the cliches is, you know, the overused strength, you know, strength becoming a weakness and that basement language 
helps us to understand some of that, that there are times where when we don't put ourselves in context of what's required of us or the work or you know the needs of the people around us, we just push through on this is what I'm great at. So I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it all yeah. out. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, knowing that you and I just had this conversation with some you know, other women about you know, self-awareness and self-acceptance, it's sort of bundled up for me too, that that awareness of your strengths and how they're hitting is so important um, for leaders and for teams. Absolutely. And I would say the very first step I would recommend for leaders who are hoping to leverage strengths as part of, you know, their team, as part of their leadership style, is to really start from a place of self-discovery mm-hmm. um, and take your strengths finder assessment first to yourself. Yeah. And, you know, get acquainted with your strengths. And what's so amazing about the Clifton Strengths tool is it is very accessible now. Um, you know, a lot of the other tools you have to work directly with a yeah. credentialed facilitator. Anyone can go and take the Clifton Strengths assessment at any time directly from Gala. And absolutely, there are coaches available. I'm a coach, um, and you can leverage you know, an individual coach to help you work throughout through that or someone to partner with your teams. But also there's a bunch of really great resources that Gallup just provides on their online right. tool. So I love that, you know, if someone doesn't have maybe a large budget or if someone is working on their own self-development and really that's, you know, not something they're comfortable or can, um, you know, have their company pay for, well, you can take, you know, as little as $20 mm-hmm. and start your strengths exploration journey um, as an individual. And, and Gallup allows you to do that um, and provides resources around that, which is just so amazing. Mm-hmm. We have to start there as a leader because without kind of an awareness of your talents and the lens you're bringing to your work and to your team, it's going to be hard for you to fully understand and appreciate your team's talents and their lens and his approach as well. So this is one we're absolutely starting with that self-awareness, starting by using the tool yourself first is very important. Well, it goes to credibility if nothing else. Yes. And if, yeah, if you don't, the, you know, if you don't eat your own cooking, if you will, why should people listen to you? Right. Love and, that. you know, if, this makes me think of one of the points that I shared with you in my notes is that some leaders in my experience have responded really negative, negatively to the whole concept of strengths. And it's, it may be that they, they lack awareness or they fall on this spectrum where they're afraid that it's going to demonstrate favoritism if they talk about somebody's strengths. But then on the other side of that spectrum, that it's it's going to mean they have to ignore performance problems. Because, well, I, I should only pay attention to what they're good at if I'm talking about strengths. So have you encountered resistance and reactions like this? So many okay. different resistance and reactions. Yeah. And I think one you're pointing out, is 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 very common that if we're only talking about strengths, how can we improve performance? How can people get better? Well, gotta remember investment. That productive application is so key. And talking about strengths doesn't mean we don't hold people accountable. In fact, I think accountability is so important because Again, we want someone to build strength, to kind of work out the muscle, to productively apply those strengths. If they're not doing that, they're not performing, we have to hold them accountable to that. And I'm just a big accountability fan in general, because when we're not holding our team accountable to themselves, accountable to each other, it causes a whole host of other issues. So accountability, strengths without accountability it's not going to work. 
because without, you know, a need to productively apply, to use these tools, to use this language, you're not going to build those strength muscles because there's no reason to. Um, so again, always, 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 if you're a strengths-based team, your trauma-informed team, accountability has to be a piece of it. It has to be a part of it. At the end of the day, you know, we're working towards a common goal. And if we're not holding folks accountable to that, what are we doing? Doesn't mean we can't be empathetic or understanding in our accountability. Just has to be there. I also have strong opinions about the the topic of accountability. And like I said with you know, talent, those discussions have to happen before, right? Yes. Um, in fact, I'm a firm believer that we should avoid the phrase hold accountable as much as possible mm -hmm. because it's too late if you're doing that. If you haven't already up front been very clear about expectations, measurement, uh, the standard, the resources that will be available to people, how and when they'll receive feedback, and then done those things you know, in parallel to the work being performed. If you get to the end of that and all of a sudden they're accountable for what they did or didn't do, they're held accountable it's punishment as opposed to yeah. management. And I think for leaders, being able to put their own talents into that strengths lens and understand as a leader, this is how I'll approach the work of setting expectations and creating accountability. But then also for my employees, if they're strong at X, but I'm asking them to do why, what's the level of support that they'll need and are we constantly negotiating the expectation so when the thing is produced, there are no surprises and no punishment follows then. Yeah. That is so spot on, Kate. Like I think so often accountability, people think it's like you're shaking a stick at someone, like I'm exactly. holding you accountable. Accountability isn't bad. And accountability is, it's shared. Yes. You're accountable as a leader to help make your team successful. Um, and that's, again, that's why your strengths finder can be an incredible tool as a leader. So you're able to kind of have the shared understanding and get to know your team in a really specific way, but in an accessible way. Mm -hmm. Credibility again, right? Yeah, absolutely. That unless Unless I don't go first. You know, whether it's being clear about this is how I am accountable to you, employee, or I've taken this assessment, I've been exploring my strengths, how can I ask somebody else to do it? Right. So credible leadership goes first and is willing to be very transparent about this is what you can expect from me, this is what I'm great at, this is where I have some opportunity as well. Absolutely. And I, I love that you said that, you know, here's what I'm great at. Here's where I have opportunity. I think leading with that as, as, a, as a strengths-based leader is powerful, you know, saying, mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to talk about strengths and we're going to talk about how they help us. And, you know, that basement that we talked about and, and sharing where you're coming from. I create, think that just creates a sense of transparency and psychological safety and trust yeah. that is really powerful and under and underutilized. I think, you know, one other thing I would say for leaders considering a journey, leveraging strengths, you will be surprised how much it can mean to someone to take a few hours, either as a group or individually, to really think about who they are and how they can grow and be the best version of themselves. Really, truly, if you, you know, have a new team project, you're a new leader, you have a new group of people on your team, and you don't have a lot of time, a strengths intervention, a, you know, a team strength session, you can take less than half a day total 
to do those assessments and have that session and have it be really powerful and something that you can continue on either with help from a coach or consultant or again on your own because there are all those resources available from Gallup directly. Something I remember, Stephanie, from our first conversation where you were outlining and helping me understand tenants and principles of trauma-informed workplaces and some of the things that leaders can do. You talked about creating opportunities for employees to have choice. Yes. To have a sense of control. And I think connecting, here's what you're, you're great at. This is your strength. It's a way to connect to control in the workplace because yes. we're asking you to do the work in a way that aligns with your talent. In fact, we're giving you the environment to invest time in that talent because we need you to make use of it. So you employee have control of the application of your strength. I personally think that there there is a need for us to train leaders in this space, not just the concept of strengths, but also to evaluate what their teams do well and what gaps could cause problems because they need a balanced, realistic view of the team's capabilities as well as its needs. And I think that this is one key to recognizing and respecting employees and then also providing equitable leadership because I'm matching up the work to the people as opposed to being at the other end of the spectrum where everybody's treated like they're in the same mold. So the question I have for you is what do you think about this? How can leaders take a balanced approach and avoid the pitfall of cookie cutter management yeah. with strengths as a tool? Yeah, I mean, strengths as a tool is amazing because it is so individualized. Um, so it is like having a cliff notes guide to your employee um, and really having tools to ask the right questions, if nothing else. And, you know, take an hour and say, you know, what would you consider your strengths and weaknesses or opportunities? And what work do you really enjoy doing? Mm -hmm. What work do you hate doing? So even if, you know, you decide StrengthsFinder is not for you, you don't have budget, you're not sure it's the right time, you tomorrow with your team could have a conversation and you know answer those you know five or six questions take some notes and then use those to start digging in and understanding more and understanding you know what may be getting in the way for my employee how can i you know put them in opportunities where they're getting to do work they really enjoy maybe not all the time but at least part of their day and kind of build from there it would be yeah. really, really beneficial. But you can also then ask questions like, when have you been most satisfied with your work? When have you been most fr frustrated on the job? That starts to point to, this is what I love to do. This is what is like death by a thousand baby turtles for me. <laughs> nip, nip, nip. Yes. Paying attention then and being very clear. Okay, I know that this is something that's draining for you. It's necessary. Let's set the boundaries on it. Let me know if you're struggling. So I, I want to talk about weaknesses. I'm, I've been fascinated in my own career, the, the disappearance, like the evaporation of weakness from people's vocabulary. And it's been replaced with things like opportunities or blind spots or, you know, just all of these sort of euphemistic terms because we uh, the sense is that nobody's comfortable saying well Kate's weak at that um, what do you think happened why do you think that we treat weakness like it's a very bad swear word I, I think this this is a little bit uniquely American personally okay I think it is a cultural thing I think as Americans, we very much value strength and individualism. And so to talk about our individual self and talk about strengths is very affirming and, you know, leads to all those positive, good, warm, fuzzy feelings. 
when we talk about weakness and we talk about weakness on an individual sense, I think for a lot of people, it can really feel like an attack. And I think there's a lot kind of lobbed into that. Um, I think trauma and unaddressed trauma, I I know we talked about this last time, 70% of U.S. adults self-identify as having one or more traumatic experience in their lifetimes. That's probably a low number based on the realities of our world. And so hearing that you have a weakness can for some people become a trauma response. They need to protect it. They need to cover that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they need to be perfect. So something bad can't happen. Anybody, anybody in our field of work who's led an exercise, you ask people to list your strengths and weaknesses. Where do people go? What's the easy part of that exercise? It's the weaknesses for most of us. We're absolutely preoccupied with what I'm bad at. So ignoring it feels genuinely a little silly to me. And I mean that with affection, not frustration, that we know it exists. We're constantly thinking. We're hyper fixated on I'm bad, I'm bad, I'm bad. By not making it somewhat public, by not acknowledging what we're bad at, we make it a point of shame. Yes, it becomes shameful. It's, I think people not being able to acknowledge their weaknesses, it comes to a lack of ability to have self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the actual most common resistance I've experienced to strengths in my career is people disagreeing with what their strengths are. And, you know, I said it earlier, there are no bad strengths. Yeah. You know, maybe they're very, very tactical and very good at executing, but they're not this big, big picture thinker. And so their strengths reaffirm that. And then, so now they say, well, these can't be right because they can't accept what they're naturally good at might not be, you know, what they want to be good at. Listen, I would love to be great at getting things done. I am not. Like it's bananas. Like my husband kind of teases me that I'm kind of like a tornado going through the house, like half doing things. That's who I am. And I think I can acknowledge that and I can work hard to be better at that because I'm acknowledging and I accept, yeah, I I am that way. It doesn't mean I'm bad. It's not something I should be ashamed of. It's something that I work on. So I don't, drive my husband banana well it's also I may be this way but I don't have to stay that way if if I have determined it's a problem that I need to resolve when I think about work if we're not paying attention to those places where people struggle and this is where I, I do think and I would love you to correct me if I'm wrong where there is a very intimate connection with trauma informed workplaces that if we're not helping people talk about And then respectfully acknowledging what they don't do as well, we leave people feeling unseen. Yes. And that that just makes it possible for us to disrespect, mismanage, and harm our people. You know, I shared in, you know, other discussions, perfection. For me, perfectionism is a trauma response. It is not for everyone, but it is a trauma response for me. And when we allow people to be open about where they're not perfect, where they have weaknesses, things they're working on without judgment, without shame, with more of a focus on curiosity, we tell them that they are appreciated we see their potential. They are capable of being loved without perfection. So that can be really restorative and can really help build someone's resilience, especially when that is coming from a place of you know traumatic experiences, teaching someone that their value comes from what they do, yeah. specifically what they do well versus their innate value as a human being. And, you know, trauma-informed workplaces don't seek to, you know, cure trauma or treat trauma, but 
our work is so important to our identity. And, you know, having a job where you feel like you're contributing and adding value, talked a bit, little bit about it when we talk about empowerment, it is important for people, for an individual's trauma recovery. So while, you know, trauma-informed organizations aren't the prescription, the cure, they're an important part of someone's journey more often than not. And so when we can be thoughtful about that and be thoughtful about the application of, you know, talking about strengths and weaknesses and doing so, you know, with that lens of trauma-informed, we can really have profound impacts and we can create more productive, more empowered employees, but also incredibly loyal employees because you have an organization that has invested as your in your value innately as a human being. So there's the, you know, hey, engage your employees or or watch out. But there's also the amazing benefit of creating, you know, productive, loyal team members by making that investment. Yeah. Well, one of the things I've shared with you that I'm spending a lot of time thinking about these days is leaders that demonstrate love. Yeah. And to be very clear at the start, this is not platonic, definitely not romantic. It's the wanting the best for people. Leaders can demonstrate love by celebrating strengths, acknowledging weaknesses, and saying you are loved for your whole person, not one part. Because that whole formula of all the things, the natural talents, the experiences, the knowledge, the failures, the losses, the wins, that is who you are and it is the person we need for this work. I think talking about loyalty in this conversation, there's creating loyal employees, but there's also demonstrating loyalty to them. Yes. Another bi-directional. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's always, it's the Mm -hmm. relationship at the end of the day. Yes. The work happens in and because of the relationship. I had challenged us to, uh, again, eat our own cooking. Yes, of course. Is this something that, one, are you willing to to share our things um, for a point of like demonstration, modeling, and application of everything we've talked about? Okay. Absolutely. So what I asked Stephanie to do, and I've done it as well, is to consider her own strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And we've each brought a list of three of each. I will. I'll even couch mine in my strengths finder strengths too, just so we can draw that connection. So my number one strength is input. Mm -hmm. Um, And input is the idea that I have a craving to know more. So it's a lot like learning, but it's more about collecting and archiving that information. You know, one of my strengths is I've got a resource for that. I've got a connection for that. So I'm really good at connecting information to the right person, connecting other people to the right people in moments. My next strength I'll share and I'll tie it to another Clifton strength is activator. I like to make things happen and turn thoughts into action. I am impatient. It literally says that in the description. I am impatient. So we know what the basement of activator is. But you know, for me, I really see this as a strength of being a catalyst. I can get something started and make things happen and really just like push it out there and go, even when it feels like we're not ready. And I mean, for me right now in my life, this is most visible in my work with the wounded workforce. I am not necessarily the most brilliant trauma expert, but I am someone who is passionate about bringing the concepts and the information around trauma-informed workplaces to organizations that desperately need it, to individuals who desperately need it. And then my next strength is strategic. And so a strategic is all about, you know, thinking on your feet, finding alternate ways to proceed. Um, and I can spot relevant patterns 
and issues. So I am a very fast thinker. I think on my feet um, and moving a million miles an hour, but I love that strength for me and that I, I can, I can connect dots. I can make things work together. I can help build out a bigger picture and help connect the dots for others to that bigger picture as well. Now for the really fun ones. So we'll talk weaknesses. My absolute last strength is consistency. Um, (laughs) And that's about treating people the same um, and setting up clear rules and adhering to them. I do not do that. I am very much customizing how I'm navigating through the world to individuals. Um, this is a weakness because a lot of times people don't know what to expect. I don't want to say De- Jekyll and Hyde, but for some people it may feel that way because of the lack of consistency. It's like, mm-hmm. who, what Stephanie is showing up today? Second to last one is harmony, which I already mentioned. Yeah. So people with harmony look for consensus um, and seek areas of agreement. I think, you know, for me, I can be a little bit stubborn. And I can be very engaged in my own ideas. And because of that, I oftentimes don't do a good enough job listening to the ideas of others. You know, that's one really I I want to work on because I think there is so much incredible wisdom existing among so many of us. And the more I can be open and be thoughtful and deliberately ask for those perspectives, I think the better work I can do. And last but not least, my my weaknesses are hilarious to me. Um, <laughs> discipline. <laughs> discipline. I told you I wasn't a doer. Um, but discipline is about, you know, order and, you know, a repetition. And I so desperately want routine. And, you know, when I was working in corporate America, I always said, oh, I love my day to be a little bit different. And I think the boundaries of corporate America kind of helped me have some discipline because of the guardrails that existed. But now that I work for myself, like, oh, baby, discipline is a real challenge for me because I am impatient and I like to have big ideas. So it's like, whiz, bang, ooh, squirrel. And it can be really hard to like sit down and deliberately work through the things I need to do. A lot of times, with if I'm not thoughtful about it, I'm really inefficient with my time to keep myself accountable. This whole discipline thing I'm not great at is put myself on blast and say, I'm going to do something. So for example, if I say my podcast is returning in February and I've spoken that out into the Mm -hmm. world. Now, absolutely, I'm going to make sure that happens. I've had this fun, great idea, which I love doing and I'm good at, but by putting it out there, I'm using that to hold myself accountable and kind of work through my discipline weakness. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephanie. That was fun. Yeah, I have a, I'll have some follow-up questions for us, but I'm going to, I'm going to be a good girl and share mine. I started with learning agility. Um, Yeah. I am good at transferring skills, at looking how something I've learned here will apply there. I love learning. It's just about the favorite thing ever. I put imaginative as well, and I have ideation and intellection, and those are just kind of constantly playing. Let me come up with the ideas. Let me imagine what could be. Let me make a, a plan for next week, next month, next year. And then my my last strength, and this one, I struggle a little bit with claiming because when I take tests like the strength finders, I I don't ever show up in like those relational ones. If I think about the strength-based leadership, the four buckets, mm-hmm. if you will, it is, you know, the execution, the strategy, the the structure, where the relational strengths, none of mine fall there. But I think because I am imaginative and I'm a learner, something I am very good at is pr- 
practicing and demonstrating empathy for other people because I can imagine what something is like for them. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I'm always right. Doesn't mean I always act on it in an empathetic way. <laughs> but it is a strength, and I think it's tied to my imagination. Love that. Thank you. Then I am going to talk about um, my achiever in the basement because it's Ooh. definitely okay. <laughs> I yes. like the basement balcony. Um, perfectionism, being perfectionistic, mm-hmm. big weakness. I drive myself harder than anyone else has ever had to and I'm not kind to myself when I think things aren't yeah. going well and you giving me the the basement balcony uh, model makes that really clear achieve 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 mm-hmm. you know get the gold star get the a plus um, I also am very stubborn I suspect it also ties to the strengths I have that are focused on creating thoughts and imagining possibilities because I then decide that's the right thing. I know I have caused frustration for people in my life because I'm going to do the thing. And then last, uh, which is uh, defensiveness. Mm-hmm. It is it is the weakness that has probably caused me me the most harm mm-hmm. um professionally and personally and i've i've put a lot of work into trying to be different and i'm better than i was but i'm not where i want to be that's i mean defensiveness is another one that's super common i mean i absolutely can name that as a weakness for me it's one of those things like you do you get better but you look like recognizing yourself you're like bye like it's silly how it shows up sometimes like mm-hmm. last night my husband asked me were the towels dry I was like yeah they are they're in the dryer I was like defensive <laughs> about the towels like what I think for me it's that for me at least it's that perfect like desire towards perfection that mm-hmm. like needing to be perfect needing to do well um needing to like be all the things and you can't be and you're not. And so when you don't acknowledge that and you don't accept that, mm-hmm. defensiveness is real easy because you're kind of I think of defensiveness as is your shield. Yes. You you need something to shield yourself. For a long time I know that I came across as and I thought I was just mean. And when I was able to understand this is defending yourself. Yeah. You are trying to protect yourself. Well, one, I could ask the question, from what? And then two, give myself a little more grace yeah. to be like, okay, for some reason this is hurting you. Intellectually, you understand there's dissonance. Feel the pain, but work through it. Just because you're hurt doesn't mean you have to lash out. Learn that lesson, Catherine. It's a hard one. Yeah. So we've done this little exercise with each other. How how did this feel? I loved it. I thought it was yeah. amazing. We have so much in common. I mean, every time we talk, I'm like, oh, we have so much in yeah. common. Well, that's that was one of the thoughts that went through my head, Stephanie, is, oh, by talking about these things, not only did I learn more about you, but I feel closer to you. Yes. It's very energizing, actually. It is. It's so funny to think about sharing your weaknesses as being fun. But I mean, if I had to pick a single word, it is fun because it's Mm -hmm. an opportunity to show yourself, have it be accepted and then do the same for someone else. I liked it. I'd encourage our listeners, if there's someone who's willing to do it with you and you trust them, give it a try. It's it's a, a worthwhile exercise for sure. The question I would have is, well, what next? Now that we have a little bit more awareness of each other, ourselves, what do we do with that? Yeah. And I, I don't mean, know that you and I have to answer that today, but I think that's the question of what do we do with it? Yes. What do you do with it? Absolutely. Here in our last few minutes, Stephanie, I'm going to ask you two questions. Sure. From your seat, what are the one or two things that you would really want listeners to take away? Yeah, I think the number one thing I would want our listeners to take away is to be curious about your own strengths and how you can leverage those strengths 
those natural talents and really think about how you can leverage those to be the best version of yourself and also how you can use those to better understand yourself and others, especially mm -hmm. if you're leading teams. And then the second one, can I have three? Yes. <laughs> the second one is accountability. Mm -hmm. I, I loved what we had to say together, what we, you know, shared about accountability. I think so often we talk about things like strengths or trauma-informed workplaces, and they're so important, but those don't negate the important and bi-directional kind of relationship of accountability we need in the workplace. And then finally, just because I think this is my whole new year energy, is to invite everyone listening to try and find some space to practice self-acceptance, whatever that means to you, whatever that looks like for you. I agree. I concur. I'll obviously be sharing a lot of resources uh, from our conversation and would encourage people to follow those links, read those books, take those assessments. As Stephanie mentioned, it's very easy to access the Clifton Strengths tools, uh, both the Strength Finder 2.0 and Strength-Based Leadership. Okay. Next, last question. Before we close, what what are some things that you want to share that you have going on in the next few months? Absolutely. So this is some exciting stuff. So mm -hmm. our 2024 panel series is live. Um, if you miss out on any of the panels as well, um, they all will go on YouTube. So you can catch last year's panel discussions as well as upcoming panel discussions. Um, they are live on LinkedIn and Facebook monthly. And then they also go out to our subscribers and emails always available on YouTube. The Building Trauma-Informed Workplaces podcast is back for season two, starting in February. So excited to have some more fantastic conversations about that. And a sneak preview for, for the Comfy Chairs listeners, I have some exciting training coming out focused for HR leaders, HR practitioners who are interested in being certified in how to approach trauma-informed workplaces. Um, so make sure if you're not subscribed to the Wounded Workforce, um, subscribe so you can get updates and maybe some special offers there. Um, but absolutely excited for the new year and, and all that's coming. I'm excited for you, Stephanie. You're doing Thank you. really great, exciting, valuable work. And I love your energy. i Again, grateful for our time with each other and can't wait to see what you accomplish this year. Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you for joining me in the comfy chairs. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe, leave a rating or review, or share it with others. You'll find comfy chairs updates and other thoughts on leadership and learning on Instagram at 123 limited that's o n e 23 ltd until next time